Hello friends and welcome back to Sows Talk. We have a great show for you Mr. Paul Bubba Whitehair is here. Get those headphones up and ready to go as you won't want to miss a moment as Paul talks about The good, thick stuff. Johnny I told you this was not worth the effort to edit. At the very least you should have mentioned how he Pulls off hard Rock Cafe t-shirts like you wouldn't believe. That's my fetish. On with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, you sit in the lap of luxury. John Rhodes leaves the podcast for oh so many months. We're out there in the, the wilderness. We don't get the thing we need. That that talk we so desire, that that true sauce talk. And then when he finally returns, not only is it two in one week, but goddamn if there isn't one the next week too. Pretty good. Uh, on the other line, it's Paul Whitehair. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Johnny. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm um, very good. Very happy to have you here. Very excited to talk about some cool shit we've already had. Like a, we've gotten into some cool shit already. You guys don't even know. Sign up for the Patreon. You want to hear the warm up uh, stuff? <laughs> it's uh, three cents a month, and it's way overpriced. But you're still gonna like it. But uh, even that is too much idle chit chat. Paul Whitehair. Eat, pause, 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 or drink anything good lately. Johnny, I, I'm going to keep it simple. Um, last night, uh, my wife made a delicious pulled chicken sandwich in the crock pot, yeah. barbecue, you know, like you're at your apple cider vinegar, all the, all the good stuff. Um, and it was really good. And as most things that are in slow cookers, I'm just going to eat on that for the next, I don't know, three or four days. Um, paired it with your classic salt and pepper uh, kettle chips, Ooh. which made me feel like I was at a picnic, even though it's minus 10 degrees outside. <laughs> um, and for drinking, um, I went and picked up, and I, I've sent this to the chat a bunch of times, but um, I Noon Whistle uh, Brewery yes. in Naperville. They, they come out with a bunch of beer, like different beers a month. Um, so right now I'm drinking a, a, a 10,000 Ways Hazy IPA, um, which is really good. Uh, I need to figure out which the best beers uh, from there are so I can send it to our friend Alex Um, who has been so unbelievably kind um, to share his uh, share his alcohol that he could only get in California with, uh, with some of us. So um, this is more research and development than alcoholism. I, it may be a record. I, while you were talking there, I took four notes of follow-up things there. Usually I get to three and I'm like, three is too many already. You have to stop. But no, four things we're going to, we're going to circle back to. I love it. Uh, to begin with, let's talk about that, that, that sandwich. I want to hear more about it in part because, uh, I think if I were to say like the only thing that I truly miss, oh no, there's two things I truly miss about not eating meat and, and, the main one is really just barbecue in general. I just, yeah. I, there's, there's never going to be any way to replicate that. You can, you can do either like fake meat stuff. doesn't really work. And you can just get a bunch of sides and it can be good, but you're not really getting, especially because like if you're doing the sides, like, Oh yeah, well the baked beans got a bunch of bacon in them and pit smoked ham or something. You're not really going to even get half the sides. Right. And so that, and then also uh fried chicken would be the other thing. Not really going to replicate that. But that's not the main point. 
the main point is I got to hear more about this excellent sandwich. Sure. So I will admit I didn't make it. Um, so as far as like what all went in it, I, I couldn't tell you. I paired it with um, pepper jack tea cheese. We got the um, like the good brioche buns, uh, which I obviously put too much butter on. Um, and then just threw briefly on a hot cast iron to get that nice um, like toast uh, quality to it. Um, my wife makes it a little spicy because I like spicy, John. Because she knows who she's married to, yeah. She knows who she's married to. Um, so it was good. And then I topped it with um, a little bit more barbecue sauce um, because I put, like, you can never have too much barbecue sauce on anything. Um, John... So you're vegetarian now, obviously, and you mentioned it. Is there, have you found any, like, if you're going to have barbecue or you decide that, like, you're in the mood, is there anything that's even, like, what would you do? Is there anything that's even close? Any kind of substitutes that would at least satiate you a little bit? Um, there's two angles, and they are radically different. And that one is that sometimes I will just get on Postmates or whatever during these pandemic mm -hmm. times and just order like every side that doesn't have meat in it from a, a barbecue place. And that is very, that's, that's it's, it's feels barbecue adjacent at best, but also like you get that good cornbread and you get some good coleslaw and you get some good mac and cheese. And like all of a sudden you found you've wandered into a pretty good meal. On the other hand, uh, or, uh, jackfruit in place of like pulled chicken, I've had great success with. And okay, and, and, I've heard I've heard of that, but I've yeah. I've never tried it. It's uh, Gina doesn't like it, but um, just just I think f for me the jack the, the flavor of the jackfruit is very benign and almost non-existent, and it just becomes like an awesome texture replication of chicken that you put a whole bunch of barbecue sauce on and you're having a just a vehicle for the sauce vehicle for the right. sauce which yeah. you know it's, it's, it's not what the best barbecue is but plenty of barbecue is a vehicle yeah. for the sauce and you, you get a good sauce and you have a good time the problem of course is that these things do not align and the barbecue place that has all the sides never has a pulled jackfruit sandwich Right. Out of the place that has a pulled jackfruit sandwich, well, they want to sell me some vegan mac and cheese, and I don't want any vegan mac and cheese because that's that, that doesn't have real cheese. The, the, the color of vegan mac and cheese always scares me. It's like a we, or at least the ones that I've tried and seen, they're like the consistency isn't there, so it's like the the it's not creamy, it's kind of like chunkyish, but it's also like a radioactive yellow color. Vegan cheese, I, I am generally a vegan cheese skeptic. Um, which one of the main reasons that we've discussed on the podcast before that, like, I, I do think that like, it'd be, I would be better if I was vegan, but it, that just seems like such a more difficult step than like, don't eat meat to eat meat vegetarian. And then that, that, that just be vegan seems so much harder. Yeah. Cause and, you, you yeah. eat like egg, eggs and stuff. And I eat so many eggs. Okay. I also, yeah, every now and then as pre, as, uh, listeners will know. Every now and then I go fucking eat the tuna at Subway. So really, you could just say I'm not a vegetarian. It's 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 a very reasonable complaint to make about me and the podcast. But this is not the complaint department. That's a segment that we never bring up on this podcast. A segment we do bring up is this is just the most general thing. Brioche buns are just the absolute truth. It's it's such a slight like 
I know here. This is maybe just my ignorance. Are brioche buns like markedly more unhealthy in some way? Uh, Do they like sneak more carbs in there? Is that why they're better? Uh, I don't know. Probably. I just assume that things are better are way, are way worse than they're, for you. They're like a little more expensive, but they're just always incredible. And it it, yeah. just, it, it feels like a luxury, but then also it's like, this is a luxury I can afford very yeah. easily. Can, can I ask you a follow-up button question yeah, yeah. and get your opinion on it? I feel, and I think maybe it's a controversial take, um, that... A bun that is overrated, I think greatly overrated, is the pretzel bun. I was so hoping you were going some other direction. I love. I know. I think most bun, people do, and I don't. I don't dislike it. I just like. I don't know. I think maybe there was that time, maybe right, like between like college, the end of college, or like when you and I were like maybe sophomores and juniors, until like a year after law school, that like every bar restaurants switched to everything on pretzel. It was like they had a real pretzel buns had a real moment. And I think that I just like got sick of like, it was just too much. Everything was on a pretzel bun. Uh, it was like, it, it kind of corresponded to that time uh, where hamburgers, it's like, who's got the thickest hamburger. Um, and they were always bad. So I think I have a negative like correlation in my head with them um, because the, the burgers were always super dry, but they were like on pretzel buns and, I, I think you're you're right there though, and that we, it, it, the industry did grow too fast, and there were a lot of shitty ones. And mm -hmm. certainly, the de like the degree of difficulty is higher. I can't say that I've run into a brioche bun I didn't think was any good. So that that probably speaks well to how a brioche brioche bun works. Whereas I've had many pretzel rolls or pretzel buns that were just like this is too doughy. And it fucking sucks. And there's more pretzel shit here than there is everything else combined. I don't want yeah. that. So it, it, that dense. can go wrong. Like, a lot I, of I run into I run into pretzel buns that are just like they're just too dense mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. what kind of sandwich. It's, it's too much pretzel on. and not enough too, bun or too, roll. It, like you need exactly. more air. You need to inflate this, but not make it bigger. Right. They're they're basically just like you know like the the pretzel sticks that with like dipping cheese. They're like let's yeah. just make that, like, <laughs> that and make that a whole bun. And then these fatties love it. <laughs> and honestly, I probably did love it, but I was wrong to love it. And I shouldn't have loved it. Um, I have too many things to go back to. We're skipping some of them. Uh, we're skipping all of them. All these, all these other callbacks. Are, no, not callbacks, but whatever they're. Hey, let's go on to the next subject. How, how's that feeling? Sound good? Uh, sounds great to me. <laughs> let's. I, we'll start here, Paul. Where are you recording from right now? John, I'm recording from um, our my my or our office in the house. So it's just right off the uh, like right when you walk in the front door. Um, and for the longest time, and you know, podcast being such a visual medium, um, behind me we put up these shelves, and for the longest time I didn't put the glass in them, and there was nothing back there, and everyone gave me shit all the time. So now <laughs> I have. I have exactly two books uh, on these shelves, one of which is just uh, a blank journal that, like, has nothing nothing written in it. Um, the rest is still unwritten. It sounds legit, yeah. The rest is, the rest is still unwritten. Yeah. Uh, so that's where, that's where I am. Uh, there's nothing on the walls or anything. Uh, there's no art we haven't painted. Um, so it kind of looks like uh, 
a little bit like an insane asylum. Um, and this but, is where you strap in for 14 hours every day to do your work. Exactly. That yeah. seems good. Very healthy for your brain. Um, but I just, a friend just sent me, uh, uh as, uh, a housewarming gift, a, uh, the, you know, I mean, you've seen the life aquatic, you know, that I love the movie, that movie. Absolutely. Um, and he sent me like the picture, uh, of the Belafonte. Oh, so nice. I got to get that, get that framed up and I'll probably put that right behind me. So that sounds great. Well, th- th- this builds beautifully into our next topic. How's the new house going? It's good. Uh, it's super expensive, as you can imagine. Um, so, like, we're things are pretty bare right now. Like, we haven't paint, painted or anything. As you can see, John, um, like, this is just, like, the builder's white paint everywhere. So, is it, is um, it, like, legit, like, primer, or is it, like, primer and weird white paint? Or what's, is no, it ready it's to primer, paint? but... It's it's ready to paint. Okay. Um, it, I mean, it is white paint, but it's like the cheap, really cheap. Like if you brush a t-shirt up against it, that's, it's gonna. That's scuff really up. what like, I was wondering. It's, yeah, it's already scuffed up everywhere, especially mm-hmm. like with our dog. Like, but even you then, just, you'll probably paint over that without hitting it again, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so it's good. I mean, we we still don't have a ton of furniture. Um, you just like we, sleep it on bean bags and stuff. I mean, pretty much. Not not too far off. We do have bedroom <laughs> furniture, but, like, we've been trying because everything's so expensive. So we've been trying to do everything uh, cheap. So we've been going to, like, outlets. Uh, there's a crate and barrel outlet here. Nice. So we've gotten a lot from there, which is, like, you know, it's just a little dinged up or something. Or, like, there's a little bit of crack in the wood. So we actually just got uh, – and this is super boring. So I apologize. Uh, you can cut I'd like to – a note for the listener. This isn't boring. Don't tell people the podcast is boring. <laughs> we just got my wife just found a a matching nightstand that matches our uh, uh, dresser in our room, but only, we've only found one at the outlet because we're not going to pay full price for it, obviously. So we have to wait to get another nightstand. So until is like, this, we find another one that's a little dinged up. Did you get the dresser at Crate and Barrel? Uh, no, we got the dress. So we had put this in our like crate and barrel cart but like we hadn't pulled the trigger because it was expensive and then we randomly found it at the outlet and it wow. just had like a little crack on top of the wood that like didn't that you wouldn't notice unless someone pointed it out and it was like a thousand dollars cheap like, that's like cheaper well, than yeah I was gonna say, that's amazing yeah and then now you're yeah, finding so, matching stuff that's incredible yeah yeah so we've got most of our stuff from there uh uh, but it's good. we got a uh, we got a fence which I don't know if I've talked like because we got a dog. So we I want to hear about fence, this fence. Also very yeah, go on. Very expensive. Uh, you could only in our neighborhood you could only I wanted the like tall privacy fence mm-hmm. like a cedar privacy fence. You want to walk around the backyard nude? So bad and like I don't want people to see it because like I don't even want to look at it um, because it's just a mess. Like at, like it's never been good me nude. But like as I've aged, it's not I haven't aged well. Like, I've been meaning to tell you that, yeah. Especially my body. <laughs> like, it's bad. And it's also one of those things. If you can't take your dick out on your own property, is it really your own property? Seems it's like not. no. No. Um, so it's just a, it's like one of those black wrought iron looking fence. You know the ones. They're yeah. like, it's basically like your standard issue suburb fence. And it is just like the whole backyard yeah. So that's all you yeah. probably got a nice little run for the dog there then. 
Yeah, yeah. We don't have any kind of deck or anything yet, so it's just like two concrete steps out into grass. Um, but I'm hoping to. Is, is the deck a thing you have you have planned that you're hoping to do? Yeah, we'll probably do like a brick paver patio Ooh, thing yeah, nice. um, because a deck seems like it's a lot of maintenance. And as you know, John, uh, as we've talked before, I have no skills. So like, if it needed fixed or refinished at some point, I have I it's just not in my my like toolkit. I just don't have that ability. The, the, the paver stuff, at least in theory, very permanent. Like, good to right, be there yeah. for a while. Like, yeah, you do that and you just get it done. That's, that, that sounds like a, a, a good match for what you want. You, you've told me about your change in living space. How has it been as far as the change in, like, location of where you live? How have you adjusted to that? Because you, you've, you've really made a huge jump yeah. from, like, the uh, most city living to, like, the most suburban living. Right. It's been uh, it's been fine, honestly. Uh, I think mostly. I think it would be worse if we could do any Like, if I felt like I was missing stuff in the city, but we can't, you know, nobody can fucking do anything. Um, so even if I, I mean, it would be bad to be honest with you, if I were like, uh, cause we lived in, you know, like a two bedroom apartment on like the fourth floor and it wasn't very big. Um, and we could, obviously couldn't have gotten a dog, um, there. I mean, we could have, but like, he could have gotten upstairs. It would have real pain. It would have been a real pain in the ass. Um, so I think once things open up a little bit more and like to the extent I go back to the office, like then it'll probably start getting shitty um but like it hasn't been much of a transition because we haven't been able to do anything right yeah that is that is we're kind of building in my next follow-up question was i would i thought about this and i was going to say was this secretly like the best time you could have ever done this because you're oh, getting like additional advantages of it um 100 yeah um, because also if i were going to try to like work from uh my old apartment our desk was just like right in the middle of the living living room. So uh, that would have been difficult. You would be the maniac who's like, actually, I'd really love to go back into the office as soon as we can. Yeah, because, which boy, some, I got to get out of this some, fucking house. Which some of my colleagues you, are yeah, like, I, I have, can't I, wait to get back to the office. Yeah. I'm like, that sounds bad. And <laughs> I get it. I think if you have kids and like you like you just need a separation because it's, it's difficult to do work around kids. But like some of my colleagues that are like just married or they're single are like, can't wait to get back to the office. I'm like, that's sad. Like if they told me tomorrow, they're like, Hey, you never have to come into the office again. I'd be like, perfect. Yeah. I love it. I'm in. I am the same. Uh, I was very skeptical of working from home and did not especially want to do it at the beginning. And initially it was, it was tougher than it is now, but now I am very much just like, I, my job has no need for me to ever go back and it, is dumb if they ever told me I have to come back, and I it hope they tell me I don't have to. Right, because all the all these companies they like have they've made layoffs based on real estate costs. They are always bitching about yeah. how how expensive it is. Like, well, now here's your use case. Like, it's obviously can work, and in some, in a lot of cases works better. Um, so why you would ever need to lease that much space or buy that much real estate space, like? Just do rotating offices, right? You and I are on a team. Like me and you are either signed up to go into the office or not. We share a we share a workstation, and it's you know save cost, and then you don't have to fucking fire so many people every right. year. And it, it makes sense that this was like a really scary road to go down before because you didn't really know how it would go. But we were forced to go down the road. And now we can see it, and honestly, everything seems to work fine. Um, yeah. So, it, it, but the main point seems to be. 
new house working out and only going to continue getting better? It's I'm most excited for the draft when we can do the draft again. Um, and I, that being said, like I'm open, if people want to do it somewhere else, because I'm not in the city anymore, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Like if we want to do, if we want to go somewhere else or we all fly somewhere else, but I've got a lot more space now. So it really opens up the possibilities and we're not so crowded, just like on that one couch in the living room. It's a little bit of an awkward situation, but I think I'm just going to go ahead, stick my neck out and I am willing to speak for everyone and say, like, we obviously have to do this at your house the next time we do it. Uh, it's, it's, it's just the best plan. We haven't seen your house. It is such like a perfect, like, it is part of the story of this event that, like, Paul moves to the suburbs and has a much larger house and we see what it's like there. And then if at some point down the road, we're like, well, now the draft will happen in X city. We'll do that. But I, I think especially given uh, this fucking COVID bullshit, we have to see it through. We have to see the true evolution of yep. Paul White here hosting Chicago draft weekend. Plus we have extra bedrooms now, so it's not and there's like a million, yeah, uh, yeah. like sleeping on the floor or something like that. And I'm, if my memory serves me, I'm pretty sure late April, early May, it's always like 80 degrees in Chicago. I'll fucking sleep in a sleeping bag out in the backyard. It's not going to be Love sleeting it. or anything, we'll put, right? We'll put, a, we'll put a tent up. Yeah, a tent, a tent will be fine. It'll be at minimum 60 degrees for a low. So we've never had any bad weather on that trip. <clears throat> well, this podcast is, is proceeding right along. We're blowing through these topics. Next up, we're going to hit our most questionable topic. We'll see who gives a shit. Paul Whitehair. Uh, baseball is doing some weird stuff. Baseball came mm -hmm. out and they're like, the ball goes out too far. Everybody hits it and it goes forever. What if we stop that? They're going to de-juice the ball. They're actively announcing they intend to de-juice the ball. They never said they were juicing the ball, but I think they juiced the ball. But now they're saying they're they going to de-juice the ball. They are announcing a change to the ball. I believe this is the first time they've ever actually, outside of, I mean, humidor stuff, but that was stadium by stadium and always had to be approved. This is, we are changing the ball for the first time in history. Good idea? I do, it's weird to me that, like, the when was the, like, modern type of baseball kind of came into play? Because... Why how why have we been changing it so much? Like was there a an issue that needed to confront? Do you the, know what I mean? Like is the, sorry, go ahead. the official answer is that Major League Baseball bought Rawlings. And when they did that, they like Rawlings was the official manufacturer of the ball. And when they bought it, they tightened up some of the uh like quality control stuff and that some of the changes they made had unintended effects on the ball. Now, this is not a story that I believe. That is what they Absolutely said. Absolutely not. But and it, 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 it honestly, if you look at the timeline, the, because there's, there's, I, I can't remember if it's 2016 or 2017, but there's a year where at the all-star break, like before and after the All-Star break, market difference in home run per fly ball rate. And yeah. uh, 
that doesn't quite align with when MLB bought Rawlings. Could be that like maybe it's part of their investigations into doing it. Rawlings tightened some stuff up on their own. If you really want to be generous, I don't know why you would be. But I think that is the theory uh, that, th that they want to put out there anyway. My theory is that they said offense is too far down. Make the ball go harder when they hit it. And that's what right. Yeah, I think that's 100% what happened and I don't know what benefit baseball gets from announcing that they're going to de also they, what did they call it? they called it like deadening they're going to deaden the ball I think that's which the I can't imagine using, yeah. I can't imagine is the best or the or the, the right way to say it <laughs> um but I because if it has the intended consequences I think to lessen home runs or offense, then, like, the game gets more boring to the average fan, right? Um, Agreed. And the positive, I guess, is, like, baseball purists, I guess, to the extent that that, like, is even a big part of their market are happy. You know, like, I just don't see what the benefit of this is. To me, this is a move that has to be taken in conjunction with another move in the other direction. Uh, which we could debate what that other movie is. But uh, current baseball, with everything staying the same but the home run rate going down, would be a nightmare. With, ex with extremely weird offense that is still completely based on home runs because the strikeout rate is so high. Like to yeah. me, the real, I mean, baseball has, if you, if you want to, the baseball to look more like baseball has looked in the past, you have simultaneous issues. The much smaller one is the home run rate, and the much bigger one is the extent to which the strikeout rate has exploded. And so the, the future version of baseball, where there's no home runs, but also everyone strikes out a third of the time, yeah. boy, that's going to be rough. Now yeah, every game is going to be two to one, on, and, but it's still going to be three solo home runs because the strikeout rate is so high we can't string together offenses. Yeah. Like if you, if you want to do this, to me at least, you have to at the same time Look at something like lowering the mound is the small one. Uh, you there's also talk of pushing the mound back, but then you see really scary stuff about how like uh, people who are much better at math than me can illustrate how like the degree of difference in like a fastball becomes much different if the mound is 62 feet instead of 60 feet six inches, and all all of a sudden like every pitcher in the league won't be able to throw strikes. But yeah. whatever it is, like you can't if if you fix home runs and you don't fix strikeouts, I don't think you're going to like what baseball looks like. Oh, I hundred percent agree. There's there's also has been which I think is in that same vein, and I don't think this will happen in in, in the next couple of years anyway. Is like basically like your robot strike zone, right? So you lessen strikeouts by making a more predictable strike zone. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're not having to guess whether one ump or not is like giving up that like high corner or like that inside corner or something like that. So you like, you have a more defined so hitters can respond better, uh, and, and lay and know when they're going to have to lay off pitches or not. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see the benefit in like, I mean, if you want to do it, I guess do it. Um, but I don't see the benefit in coming out and saying you're going to do it, but. I guess in like they're they want to be transparent or whatever, and maybe this was a deal with the union or, um, but they're also doing the uh, 
I did notice they're going to keep the rule, like the extra innings, the uh, runner on second base, uh, which I hate. Like I get like you want offense and like you don't ever, no one wants a 17, a 17 inning game. And this certainly helps that, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I admit that is like a little purist coming out, like a little sliver of like purist coming out. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. I think it's like gimmicky. I was an extreme skeptic of the runner on second base and hated it going in and then found that I really enjoyed it in practice, which surprised me, but I completely changed my opinion on it after seeing it. I, I, I found that it made, I like the extent to which it changes the dynamic in the extra innings. And I thought that it would be an extreme first hitter sacrifice bunts and then try to get the guy in. And that really wasn't the case. It really depended on who was coming up and uh, just just generally the feel of how things were going. And so people, like, there were interesting strategies. I could easily see it becoming less interesting going forward. It could be that it's something like it's kind of how, like, baseball is solved, and so everybody just strikes out all the time and hits lots of home runs, and basketball is solved, and they just shoot threes and layups. It could be that within a couple years, we do have just a consistent single plan that happens in extra innings. And if that is the case, I will revert to being against it. Uh, And by then it will be too late because it will never go back the other way because players and owners both hate extremely long games. And that's really the reason why this changed, even though public sentiment, the average person is like, I'll just go fucking to sleep. What do I care? Uh, I don't think most people really saw this as a big concern, but players and owners both hated these really long games. And so that that's why it's the thing we actually got taken care of. I'm less skeptical of that. I was shocked. I think they're also good. They've also said they're going to keep the seven inning double headers. I was just about to bring that up. I, yeah. That like between the two is such a bigger, like thumb in the nose of uh, baseball history. The yeah. idea that there's so many seven inning games, and there are going to be like if we keep this up, there will be a lot of people on the books who throw seven inning no hitters, and and, and stuff like that. It, it's extremely weird. And then the idea that cha- we're going to do that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. There's the idea that we're going to do that, but then the DH is a bridge too far, and we're going to drop the DH in the National League again. I yeah like. Of the three, the most to me the most obvious one. I, all I can feature is that the owners see this as a thing they're going to offer back to the players in the collective bargaining uh, stuff that's coming up. Because I, I can't believe that it wasn't obvious to everyone after the last season that we should just have the DH in both leagues and be done with it. Yeah, one hundred percent. The the seven inning thing. Kind of piggybacking off what you said, it also it's a, kind of like a competitive balance issue for me. Like you're going against, so there's a double header, seven inning double header, so you can use your pitching staffs differently. Um, but if you're coming off, like say you have your team has a, the Cubs have a, a seven inning double header, like, and you're going against a team that maybe just has like three long games in a row, like you can use your like your pitching staff a lot mm-hmm. differently and you don't have to get as deep on your pitch, especially if you have a good starting rotation, you know, you might only have to use one, you know, between one and three relievers in 
depend you know in that double header right and, 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 and you can use three relievers and then run your starting pitcher out there for three innings and not even think yeah. twice about it i mean it's a radically different game yeah um I, th- I think we're in agreement on this in that to me the most obvious rule change that should stay is national league dh and then the least obvious is seven inning double headers and then uh <clears throat> The other is in the middle. Like I could see yeah. both ways. And again, I do. I I I really enjoyed the runner on second base and extra innings last season. But there is a part of me who thinks that within five years, this will be what I feared it would become, and that there yeah. will just be, you know, we will have worked out with the actual results what the optimal strategy is, and then every single extra inning game will look exactly the same. And I guess if it works out that the optimal strategy is hit away, then that's fine. That would yeah. be okay. That I mean, that's what's better in baseball than hit away. You always want to see people hit away. I'd also be interested, and in, I think it's it's probably good for this, that we're going to have another year of the extra innings runner on second to see if someone ran the data on win probability uh, or what's happened with like home and away teams. With, and how that and how that affects it, so that that would be an interesting like data set to see, because um, I could see how it could, would change. You know, it might change how you play it if you're like if you're the home team. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that would be interesting to see if like someone ran. I don't know. Like I'm not a da- I'm not like a data guy, so like I don't know what what that would show. But I think you might see some disparity there. But that's just a complete guess. Uh, you're exactly right. That is a thing a lot of people much smarter than me have talked about, how it is very reasonable that as teams, you know, get more information or actually seeing major leagues, there's, there's, a bunch, there's been minor leagues that have played this way for quite a, for a while. But uh, until you actually see what happens in major league baseball games, you can't really be sure about optimal strategies. And we had a very short season last year. We're going to have a much longer season. We don't know how much longer because there's still a debate. But uh, I do, it would please me a great deal if it turned out that it was extremely beneficial to be the home team. Because obviously you have more information. You know how right. many how many runs to continue the game, how many runs to win. Boy, would it be, like, like people always talk about the idea that, uh, 90 feet in baseball is perfection. And this is something of a lie because the defenders place themselves on the field with the knowledge that the man who hits the ball has to run 90 feet. But you see so many close plays at first, it works out well. 90 feet is a good distance. Wouldn't it be great if it turned out that you aligned things perfectly in extra innings, but if you adjusted which base the runners went on? Like, is it possible that, like, First and second for the away team aligns exactly with second for the home team. Or second for the home team aligns perfectly with third for the away team. Maybe there's something there. That would be really, like unlikely that it will actually shake out. It's, it's so hard to get there. But that, yeah. would, that would be like one of those things that would... Some people, some people will say, I don't agree with this, that like 90 feet being so perfect is like proof of the existence of God. That like God made baseball and you can see it because 90 feet is exactly right. 
And again, that's dumb for lots of reasons. But if it turned out that the away team gets a runner on set, on third at the top of the 10th inning and the home team gets a runner on second and that makes it come out perfectly, that'd be pretty fucking cool. Interesting. That's a good thought, Johnny. Yeah. That, uh, uh, I would like to make a quick note that all segments should end with, that's a good thought, Johnny. Like, that's really uh, the best I, thing you can say on the podcast. One quick aside, I just want to say, and I think you and I have talked about this before, uh, but not on the podcast, it's just how ridiculous baseball writers are. I don't think anyone got into the Hall of Fame this year, right? Uh, yeah. Or am I No, I believe that's exactly correct. Yeah. I just hate baseball writers so much. They're like, they're just the worst. They're the fucking worst. They are, they feel, su- they're like super entitled, like there's some protectors of history or something like that. That's completely insane. I, I'm really excited to see which pitcher is better than Roger Clemens that they plan to vote Good. for in the future. That right. should be interesting. <laughs> and I kind of agree, and I think it was, uh, I think Dan Pat, like I heard Dan Patrick say this, is like, it's a, like at the end of the day, the Hall of Fame is a museum. Mm-hmm. So like, if you want, like put them in, and then if you want to have a special section for people that were implicated or something like that, like the, it's supposed to tell like the history of baseball, right? And like the greatest players, it's a, it's a fucking museum, like. I don't know. I am open to the idea that we told everybody, boy, if you bet on baseball, you're fucking out forever. So maybe the Pete Rose stuff makes sense. But that's the only rule that we ever made that was like, if you do this, like we did this once and our sport almost ended. So anybody does this again, you're just out forever. But then even then, like Pete Rose should just be in the Hall of Fame after he dies. And then, but like all these other guys, like we only had one rule that said if you do this, you're absolutely dead forever. Nobody else did that. These guys are plainly among the very best players. It's not difficult to make an argument for Clemens and Bonds as the best pitcher and hitter of all time. Boy, it's not much of a Hall of Fame if you can't get the best guy on each side in there. Yeah, 100%. That brings us to our next topic. Paul Whitehair, what sauce are you bringing to the table this week? John, and it's one that maybe we've are, we've talked about, but I don't think so. And maybe you could tell me if we have, is yellow bird habanero condiment. So this have, is the you had... name, yellow bird habanero Yellow bird condiment. is the brand. Is the brand, yeah. But it's like a hot it's like a hot sauce. But that's just what it's called. Cool ass name. I like putting condiment in the name of your condiment. Yeah. I, uh, I, and it's Go ahead. It's such a good everyday kind of hot sauce or like a little kick of because you could put it on anything. You could like throw it on a sandwich. I you know, I put it in like chili all the time. Um like, I put it on, like, when I make quinoa, like, if I make, like, chicken or something like that, and I just make quinoa or rice or something, I'll just fucking throw it all over that, and it's perfect. And specifically, the brand Yellowbird, I would highly recommend. So if you see it in the store, I got mine, I think, on Amazon, but I think you can get it at, like, Target and stuff. Um, and then my second, my second, and just a bonus sauce, if I'm allowed, John. I'll allow it. 
Uh, have you ever had secret aardvark habanero sauce? I got nothing on either of these sauces. Okay, very good. And I'll just throw that as a as a plug. Both of them come in like squeeze bottles. Can I get that name your... again? Secret aardvark. Is that secret correct? aardvark? Yeah. Tell me about this. Um, it's it's like it's it's obviously similar because it's habanero as well, although they do other flavors. But it's got a little bit different flavor profile. It's a little bit more smoky than the yellow bird one is, but also like you can put it on everything. They're both in squeeze bottles. Um, so they're a little bit thicker consistency than like your typical hot sauce, which, you know, like you pour out and it's got, uh, uh, it, it's in a glass bottle. So I would highly recommend either of those for kind of everyday, uh, everyday consumption. So you're, you're coming, uh, to the table with multiple habanero sauces. Does that, does yeah. that indicate you are a bit of a heat seeker? I'm a little bit of a heat. I'm a little. I'm a little habanero boy. Sounds like it. Yeah, a little bit. What is your? You know, if you want to go to yellowbird.com, use Johnny's promo code Johnny Touchdowns to get ten percent off your first order. Well, you could use the promo code, which is going to be real sad. They're going to up the price thirty percent <laughs> guaranteed. Um, were you when you were growing up? Did your family eat spicy stuff, or is that something that came to you later? Mostly came to me later. My dad's always liked a little, uh, a little bit of spice, but like we never had, at least I'm not remembering like hot, really like a lot of hot sauce around, uh, like around our in our fridge or anything like that. So I think it came mostly from like college and then post, like post college is probably mostly when I've like sought out spice, especially now like drink like if you have beer or wine with something, uh, I like to have a little bit of uh like spice to kind of like even the meal out it, yeah so are what johnny are you do you typically put will you spice up stuff more than you won't i put so much hot sauce in this saison i'm drinking right now let me tell you no that's not true but in in general yes i like i like to eat things spicy but i have the same background as you in that when i was growing up it was not a thing and so i know that my my please for the listener note my tongue is very talented in many ways, but among my tongue's talents is not spicy food. So, like, I push to the spicy food to the extent that I can, but I don't have that background. I remember when I was in high school finding a bottle of Tabasco in the fridge that was legitimately, like, nine years expired. Like, we just did not, like, so, like some weird recipe somebody made had it in Call it. Ask for a dash of it, and then it, they and just, then it didn't get touched. Bottle. And then, yeah, I was in second grade. It didn't get touched again until I was a sophomore in high school, and so it, it was that kind of household. But then, after I went off to college, I started eating spicy stuff, and I liked it. And honestly, I'm sure that I peaked in spice tolerance late in law school or shortly thereafter, and I have receded since then, uh, which is a shame to some extent. But I, I, I can still do okay, and I, I like it. And most things that I eat, I want a little spicier than like yeah. like, mo like if I just cook, if I whatever recipe I'm making, I will usually make it a little spicier than it calls for, but not enormously so, like a lot of people do. I think I think we're similar. I mean, we obviously we come from similar backgrounds, like small like smaller town, um, central Illinois. So like. We did, at least I didn't, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I assume that's probably the same. Like, and 
grow up eating a lot of like dishes that would call for like i didn't grow up eating like any indian like we didn't have indian restaurants or like what or like other cuisines that like are typically more uh, like have a, like a higher spice level than other like it's pretty much american fare um so like nothing really called for uh like any kind of uh, uh like different kind of spices or or hot sauce or anything like that or uh, I definitely did not have Indian or Thai food until I left Avon. And when I had Chinese food, it was Chinese food from a Chinese buffet in Gillsburg, Illinois. And you can make some fucking guesses about how that went. Um, and I also recall that, like, later I'd be back home in Avon and I would I would cook things. And my mom would always accuse me of putting curry powder and stuff. And I'd be like, no. There's no curry powder in here. And she's like, seems like there's curry powder. Like, if anything, <laughs> even slightly adjacent to, like, Eastern spices rolled in, it would be like, what? what's this right here? There's something. I know it's not right. So it, it, it was not that type of house. Lots of good food otherwise, but not, not really expanding our horizons. Uh, my father-in-law is the most sensitive person I've ever met to spice. We, I remember we went to a White Sox, he's a big White Sox fan, and we went to a White Sox game, and there's, like, a uh, a shitty, like, White Sox-sponsored restaurant right across the street, and he got, like, a buffalo chicken salad, and then he, like, called the waitress over, because he was, like, basically, like, choking, like, <laughs> you would think he had some, like, allergic reaction, it was like, do people complain that this is too spicy? Like, you need to warn people about this. I'm like one Dave. It's it's a it's buffalo. So like you gotta imagine there's some sort of spice in there. But also, no one in the whole world thinks that this is too spicy. <laughs> he, he, I, I've heard him. Uh, he's had like pepper on stuff, and that's like I think a little too much for him. Um, so that was kind of an aside, but it's it's pretty insane. Like the his, the sensitivity that some people can have to spice. We we are the second generation. Think about your kids. Like they're just going to be just blowing their taste buds out every night of the week. Oh my getting gosh. so much heat. They're going to they're going to they're going to laugh at you the way you laugh at. They're going to be it, playing. It, it, they're going to be playing like hot. They're going to be playing hot ones every night, where they're just eating increasing spicier wings and stuff. I'm jealous of them already. It's going to be great. Uh, Paul White here. We have one major segment remaining. Uh, okay. Are you excited to talk about grocery store cookies? I am, John. I really am. This is a new recurring segment we have on the podcast in which uh, we talk about a grocery store cookie that uh, I have selected. The guest, it's important to note, doesn't know about it in advance. So this could be something you like or don't like or perhaps even have no familiarity with. If that happens, it will be a bad segment, but that's okay. Uh, today, we are talking about... Iced oatmeal cookies. What is your relationship with the iced oatmeal cookie? Okay. So, John, let me know if I'm right or not. I'm thinking of the iced oatmeal cookie, and maybe this was like a Central Illinois specific thing. And what I'm picturing is, and obviously people can't see me, is a package that was this big, and it was white and red with plastic over it. That's exactly what you're remembering. Yeah, you're, you're ex- um, spot on. Yeah. And I remember, I remember liking them, but always thinking like, 
that this brand specific, like when I think of oatmeal cookies generally, they're like pretty moist, pretty soft, or at least the ones that like in kind of like uh, that I've had or enjoyed. These were crunchier. Am I like, am I remembering the ones that you remember? I, I will say my, uh, Second note here on my agenda for this podcast, underneath iced oatmeal cookies, is truly unpredictable consistency. Yes, yes. And that's so. the whole point I is, remember being like, whatever you like, would, you, you have no idea what you're going to get from uh, brand to brand. You'd bite, you'd bite into them, and uh, even if it's like a fresh pack, you'd be like, I wonder if these are stale or if they're not like if, if they're supposed to be like this or if they're stale like I'm going to finish it the entire package like no matter what the case is but there was always that point it's like have these been like even though you knew you like I just ripped them open but part of you started doubting yourself and you're like are did I have these been open is and, like it, you check the expiration is like, it possible this was their intention I can't I don't right. know if they, if this is the yeah. cookie experience they wanted me to have I want to think that the name of it started with a B and it was like, uh, it was like two dashed names. I remember Um, Arrowway or something to that effect. Again. Oh, maybe that's right. Uh, we, we've done this segment once before and it is a trademark of the segment that I do not do research in advance and I do not tell the guests what the cookie will be. So they cannot do research in advance. Um, did you find anything suggesting a uh, cookie brand name you've got here? There's one called Archway. Archway might be what I'm but, looking for over Arrowway. But it doesn't look like the package that I remember. Obviously, this is, I'm thinking of 25 years ago. So, like, it's certainly that some brand manager came in and was like, let's fucking switch this up. So, um, <laughs> but that that general color scheme uh, seems to be right. So, like, if they changed it up... That looks good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably right, and they just changed their packaging, which is would make sense because it was 25 years ago. I'd like to step back for one moment. I believe, in retrospect, Arrowway is the name of Jodie Foster's character in Contact. And so I just switched from one art form, iced... Uh, Oatmeal cookies to another art forum, Carl Sagan movies, and and didn't notice what I was doing, but yeah, Ar- Archway is is definitely it. I will also shout out that I have had iced oatmeal cookies that are just totally trash store brand that are very good, but also I've had them terrible. To me, and I'm sure this isn't everyone, I want the soft, chewy iced oatmeal cookie. But sometimes you get the hardest rock, even from good brands. It it can be anything. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Where does it – I also just want to say – so I've seen Contact a bunch of times, and that really sounded right to me. So I looked it up, and you are 100% correct that that is her last name, which is is very impressive. Uh, I'm very impressed. I, I really like that movie. I watched it not long ago. Like it was on TV, I want to say like a month or two ago, and I like watched it all the way through and again, enjoyed it. It, it it's I really remember, good. Uh, what's his shit? 
shitty conservative actor man is in it. Um, as the senator Matt, at the end. Not Matt. Oh, Matthew uh, McConaughey is a religious guy, and he's cool. Matthew McConaughey is a religious then, guy. Uh, uh, what's his shit? Who everyone hates and is terrible. Tom Skerritt. No, Tom Skerritt's the boss, and is fine. Yeah, uh, William Fichter is in it. John Hurt. No, is in it. David Morse. David Morse is her dad, and he's so nice and good. Oh, James Woods. James Woods. There it is. Yes. Yeah. He is, and yeah. he's playing such a James Woods character because he's like the crazy yeah. conservative senator who's like, "Oh, you didn't go to space, you idiot!" Huge contact spoilers. Watch Contact, obviously, if you haven't watched Contact. Yeah. But uh, also, a uh, uh, starring role for Jake Busey. So you're going to want to check it out. <laughs> You'll be shocked to learn he's really fucking creepy and weird in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow He's 49 years old now. Don't know how that happened. But uh, yeah, be sure to watch Contact. Also, I, so, I've read the book and it's really good. So all the Contact content you want, you'll have a good time with it. We watched Contact, I think, in like uh, in one of my science classes, probably like early high school. And then we watched Gattaca. Do you remember Gattaca? <laughs> that is a, Contact is much more reasonable for a science class than Gattaca. Gattaca is not acceptable. We but we watched Gattaca and I was why are we I, I remember thinking why are we watching this because like remember they he like needs to be taller so they like break his legs and basically put in bone fillers. <laughs> but also I think like they they're so uh, like in Gattaca they were so like evolved scientifically and then I remember even back then thinking the best way to fake this guy's height is to break his legs and put bone fillers <laughs> in like. They've got all these like inventions in this like in this alternate universe or like this alternate time period, and like that's still what has to be done. You would think we could just shoot some gel into his knee, and that exactly would right. But yeah, no, we gotta break his legs. Yeah. Um, so back to the cookies, John. Where are you? How many? How many grocery store cookies down are you going? Gina goes, you need to go to the grocery store, John, and you need to get some cookies. What number, or like how many have to be out of stock kind of cookies before those are the ones you grab? So I guess where where is it on your list of grocery store cookies that you would grab and, and buy if you could only buy one at a time? It's entirely based on my mood. And sometimes I just want those. Mm-hmm. And they will be legitimately number one on my list. Okay. But even then, I will recognize Gina doesn't want them, and no one wants them, and probably no one wants them but me. So, like, if I'm I'm at the store and Gina's not there, I will buy those, and then I'll buy something else that I know Gina likes, because she's probably not going to actually go in on these with me, and they're just going to be like... Does she not... Does she not like oatmeal cookies or does she not like these specifically? I think she would consider these cookies specifically to be trash. Okay. Where's Gina from? Hang on one second. I'm going to see if I can get Gina to come on the podcast. Yeah, bring Gina. Yeah.
Use promo code John Rhodes for Fracture, where you could print your family photos on glass. Fracture. Gina's official response is, why would I want to do that? To come on the podcast? Precisely that, yes. So, uh, no, uh, Gina is originally from Chatham, Illinois, just outside of Springfield. It's interesting that she wouldn't have some, some sort of uh, nostalgia towards these cookies then, because I feel like they were fairly big in the central Illinois area. Because I thought, like... I thought maybe you were going to say that she is, you know, I don't know, from Boston, I don't know, yeah. the East Coast or somewhere that, like, maybe these weren't. Does seem uh, like she thinks she better than me. Yeah, it's a good point. It does seem like she might. Also, I don't think Gina and I have had a lot of conversation before. I think that's The correct. fact that she wouldn't want to just come talk to me. She should be so lucky. Hurts, hurts me a little yeah. bit. What was she doing? Uh, laying in bed watching something on her iPad. What was she watching? I don't know, but when I knocked on the door, you go she find, said... Will you go find out? Yeah. <laughs> Gina is watching the show Search Party on HBO Max. It, well, in full disclosure, uh, that was going to be my plug. Oh wow! I, I, I'm not I'm not shitting you. Uh, search party. I watched me and Rebecca over the past probably two and a half weeks. Uh, well, we've been done with it for about a week now, so I guess whatever it is, uh, watched that all the way through, uh, and we loved it. Um, so that was going to be my plug for the end of the show. So I'll think about something different. That's pretty crazy. Um, bonus plug. Everyone, have you watched it? I haven't seen it. No. Oh, it's, I think you would really like. I really like. Good. Uh, I, I, people have told me specifically that I would like it. But uh, Aaliyah Shawkat's in it, who is amazing. I like uh, and then John John Early, who I really like in it, uh, is in it. Um, and there are like guest stars that come into it, come in and out of it, are really good. Um, yeah, so that was gonna be my plug, but really good. Uh, I have a couple follow up questions, John. Yes. Um, I don't know what the layout of your apartment is. Gina is in bed watching it on her iPad. Is it because that's where you guys generally watch TV? Do you have is do you have like a TV sitting area, like a living a living room, and she just chooses that's it to exactly. be in the bed? Right now? She prefers like in general. If I'm not in the TV area, she prefers uh, to watch TV in her bed in, in in the bed in the bedroom, and then I am in the now extra is bedroom. she. Which is and also my office her work. Oh, no, is she's she playing in bed with her iPad. Like she has, like, a case, and it just sits up. Okay. So is it sitting, like, on, on her stomach or something? She's or like... on her side with her head on a pillow, and then the iPad is on the bed, but it's sitting up facing her. I don't find that comfortable. I'm not a uh, – so we have a television in our room because we're not monsters. I don't watch a lot of – like, I, I'm not a uh, lay-in-bed-watch-TV person. Like – when I'm going to sleep, I'll like maybe watch a YouTube video on my phone. But like, if I'm going to watch a show or something, I would rather sit on the couch. Like, I've never been a lay in bed and watch TV person. I think it is better to not be that, but I find myself becoming what you're, what, 
the antithesis of what you described and that like I mo like I now most evenings Gina and I will watch something on the TV in the living room and then uh, we will retire to the bedroom and have the iPad there and watch something else and then go to sleep. Do you have a television in your bedroom? No. Intentionally not. Although whatever but pretend I benefits you say, might get from that, you lose when you watch the iPad in the bed. I don't even know what the point I, I, of not having a TV because in Because I feel like it's it's easier on your – like I get the sure. point. You're like, I don't want to The bright thing is for going to bed. Yeah, that would so make I'm sense. not going to have a TV. But I feel like the blue light that you get from your phone or an iPad is worse than having a TV 10 feet away. I have never thought of the argument this way, but this will be an argument for let's just put a fucking TV in this room. And again, we all know the blue the blue light late at night is very bad for you. This is less of that. Why shouldn't we appreciate this? I like I like a TV in the room mostly for in the pornography. Or what? Yeah, I stream pornography to it because twenty four like, hours a day. I want to see. You a, can't turn it off. It has three power backups. I I I can't get off unless I know that the person is, is at least half size, right? Like I need I need it to be closer to full size. Let me tell you, you had me at I can't get off. That's where we really identified. <laughs> I was like, boy, this guy's speaking my language. Doesn't matter what he tries. So I would say tell Gina. Because you can get – also, you can buy a TV now for, like, $80. Like, you get, like, a 32-inch smart TV for, like, 80 some dollars, and then you don't have to carry around your iPad or, like you, – you Every TV is so inexpensive as to be – I bought, like, a 55-inch TV, like, not great but decent uh, several months ago. And Gene was like, boy, I can't believe you bought that. And I was like, this was, like, 300 bucks. It's not even a big deal. It's, it's unbelievable. When I moved to the city after law school, 2011, uh, I was like, well, now I, like, I, I've got to buy a TV because I don't think I – I had like a shitty, shitty one in law school, right? So I'm like, I'm going to buy one. Uh, and so I bought like a 42-inch LG TV. And it was like – I mean, it was like $1,200 like – something insane, like $1,200 or something like that. And now a 42-inch TV is like $175. Yeah. It's like if you promise to buy a year of Apple TV, you can just have this. You just give it, you just take yeah. it. You can get it for free. You're, you're going to watch the Today Show, right? Whatever that shit is. If you watch it, <laughs> you can have it. I remember my we my parents sold the house I grew up in when I was like a junior in college, and in our basement we had you remember like the big screen TVs that were like five feet tall <laughs> and like and like three feet thick and like a billion pounds. I remember they sold that. That was in the basement. And I was worried that I was going to have to come back from college and like move that thing out. But my, my dad like convinced them to the buyers to like, just keep it nice because they, I don't know, they were idiots or something like that. Um, Cause your dad's but, like a uh, huge man. He was like, here's what's up. You want this house? You got some, you got some you're tasks. You're taking, <laughs> you're taking this TV and we're not moving it. Well, I think we learned a lot about iced oatmeal cookies. Um, we all agree that uh, when they're good, they're good. But when they're bad, they're bad. That's pretty much where we stand there, I think. Yeah, I think so. I also remember there being uh, like mini ones. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. I think and those might have been 
like they came in a di- they came like more of a bag. Than... A bag, yeah, yeah, like a stand up bag, and you like reach in and yeah. And I, I feel like those might have been more consistently chewy, but not as good yeah. in general. Agreed, one hundred percent. How come these cookies don't work better? Doesn't like every other cookie seems like they can figure out how to either be the texture they want or to be shitty. How right, like the uh, like you know, uh, and maybe they don't. I haven't had them in a really long time, but like the Chips Ahoy, the blue bag of the Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies were crunchy. You knew that, right? Like they were the the crunchy ones, but then they had the chewy ones in the, the red, red bag. bag. Yeah. So if, and they were consistently chewy. Right, like you knew you were getting them. You knew that unless they were stale, unless you had them for a long time, like they were going to be chewy. Why couldn't this archway? Did we decide was their name? Yes, I think yeah. Right, not Arrowway. What? The, not Arrowway. They couldn't figure out the same formulation to like keep them on the shelves and to keep them chewy. And it's obviously like some fucking enzyme that they just shot yeah. into them. Why can't? Yeah. I'm not worthy of that enzyme unless I buy chewy chips away, which by yeah. the way aren't even very good. Yeah. Figure these iced oatmeal cookies out. They should have that same consistency. And if they did, they'd be a top tier cookie as they stand. Even if yep. I'm buying Archway, I have no idea if they're gonna be good. I've had really good like store brand iced oatmeal cookies, but it's like one in four. You have no yeah. idea what you're gonna get. And it's disappointing because yeah. the base good iced oatmeal cookie is very good it's hard to beat like if it's done well it's pretty hard to beat um sorry go ahead is it iced oatmeal cookie do you think there's any ginger in there in my head it seems like it's kind of similar to a ginger snap yeah i could see that is it possible this is all a scam to unload stale ginger snaps it's <laughs> <laughs> just like you know uh, what Speaking of, someone gave Rebecca, one of her dancers, like, gave her a, a gift basket or something like that for uh, for Christmas. And they had a thing of ginger snaps in there, which I didn't, I've not really ever eaten with any kind of, like, I've had them before, but few and far between. And I went through these things so quickly. Like, they were unbelievably good. And it was some brand I'd never heard. It was some European brand. Um, that I'm sure they got from, you know, that section of the, the grocery store. So it wasn't like, um, some Keebler or whatever, Nabisco or anything like that. And goodness gracious, especially with, um, and certainly not when you're supposed to eat them, but like with coffee in the morning, uh, were amazing. I think you're right. Ginger snaps can be really good. They, they will fall into some of the same categorical problems we've talked about here, especially store brand ones. Yeah. I would expect more consistency from ginger snaps, though. And yeah, ginger's really good. This, I mean, cookies are really good. It makes sense that when these land, they fucking land. Yeah. Uh, that's been our iced oatmeal cookie discussion. Or has it been? Shortly after recording, Johnny received an important follow-up. Listen in. Hey, Johnny. So after our call, I went out to the store to see if they had these Archway Oatmeal, uh, and they did. So I'm gonna take a, do an unboxing to see how they are.
Johnny. Not as much ice. They, they could be more iced, generally, but I'm gonna try it. They're soft. We, I got a good batch. Or maybe they've just improved their formula. But, can confirm the new ones are soft. And they're pretty good. Later, buddy. Paul White here. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? First of all, I'd like to say uh, congratulations to Michael and Margaret You're right to on do so. the birth of Silas. Uh, cannot wait to see you guys and meet him. Uh, he's adorable. Uh, I hope Mike can get some time off from being a political world beater uh, for uh, parental leave, uh, patern paternally? paternity leave is what it's called. Um, so I wanted to send a heartfelt congratulations there. Yeah, uh, you're definitely right to do so. I send my congratulations as well. I saw the pictures. The kid is perfect. Just extremely happy for Mike and Margaret. You stole my plug about search party. So I won't, I'll, I'll leave that off. Um, I would put a plug in for, um, <laughs> I've started, and John, I talked about uh, to you a little bit before the, before we started recording, but I've recently gotten into, uh, collecting uh and selling trading cards again because Ooh. of the pandemic and i don't have anything to do i thought you were gonna say anything to live for but it was nice of you to clean it up a little bit I, <laughs> uh i which is also true that's also true um i would put a plug in for finding something uh that you did in your childhood to fill the gap in your life um during this quarantine um because if anything, it's just kept me busy, like looking on eBay uh, at night when I'm super bored. So it sounds like a good hobby. What are, what are some of your favorite cards you've come across so far? Um, let's see. I've I bought a Francisco Lindor rookie, even though he was traded away from um, my Cleveland Spiders. Um, you can remember your incredible early to mid thirties by looking yes. at this card. Ex Exactly. Um, I have bought uh, my favorite card. I bought a bunch of Darius Garland cards, who is a uh, a second year player on the Cavs, a second year point guard on the Cavs. Um, I, I also randomly bought a, a Don Mattingly rookie card. Um, but my favorite card I've probably bought, even though it's not a super super valuable one, is a. Uh, a Ken Griffey Jr. tops traded rookie. Ooh. So it's not that, uh, oh, but John, I did, oh shit, I don't have it here anymore. I did, I bought a, uh, a pack of 1989 Don Russ cards or a box, um, for like 30 bucks or something like that and got like a bunch of like Craig Vigio rookie cards <laughs> and stuff like that. But I did pull a Ken Griffey Jr. Don Russ rookie card. Wow. Like out of the pack, which was very exciting. Like gives you, like buying individual cards is like if you want to make money is I guess the way to do it per a bunch of YouTube videos that I found. Um, but like that going back to childhood and like putting like ripping a pack of baseball cards open and like pulling a cool card like it is still very exciting. But like I have a very low level during the pandemic of like what constitutes exciting um, because I haven't been doing anything so. That was a very long plug, but find something to do 
that's not uh, just, I don't know, eating and drinking, which is all basically I do other than that. I, I think your plug, both in the micro and macro sense, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I absolutely agree. I have, we all know I've experimented with opening a bunch of packs of baseball cards. I had a very good time with it. It was very fun. Uh, I do, I, I have a quick note here. I do think it's Don Mattingly rookie card is one of those things where it's, it's so strange to envision, for, at least for me as someone born in 1985, the idea that Don Mattingly was ever a rookie. Like, the idea of him being anything but the most grizzled, mustachioed veteran. Like, grumbling yeah. at everybody for not playing right. And then going on to be a manager who mostly grumbles at people for not playing right. Uh, it, it's really yeah. funny to think of him as, like, the little kid who just shows up on the team and says, I can and play for his wish... What's up? Uh, John, do you have two seconds? I want to grab the card. Because even his rookie card, he doesn't look like a young man. <laughs> Hold on one second. Yeah. All right, what do you so, got here? Sorry about that, John. All right. Oh, this has a... Hold on, it's in there. You got to protect your investment. <laughs> That's great. I mean, he looks 38 here. He looks like he takes no shit whatsoever. Yeah. No. So yeah, that would be that would be my plug. Buy Don Mattingly rookie cards if you want to. You're gonna want a Don Mattingly rookie card if you want to buy something that's going to the moon. GameStop is out. It's all Don <laughs> Mattingly rookie cards. Uh, John, did you join in the uh, any of that the GameStop or uh, AMC or anything like that? I bought nothing. I wanted to. You bought nothing. I uh, sent Pat Polk. I, eventually, I concluded that I could only buy in if it was such an obvious good investment that I could talk Pat Polk into doing it with me. And he was like, we're not buying any of this shit, Johnny. And then I did not buy any of this shit. That's a really good – I really like that because Pat is such a uh, rational yeah. guy. That but he also would like free money. Like if I had talked Pat into this being free money, he would have wanted to do right. it and then we would have done it. But he was like, I don't think so. And then I was like, okay, we're going to find the next one. And then I was like, oh, all these others seem like complete bullshit. And so we didn't buy anything. Are you heavily invested in Dogecoin? Dogecoin is the biggest fucking scam out there. I have to say, when, yeah. I, when I was, I didn't buy any GameStop, but I started looking into the other things that people of that nature were looking into. I was like, well, none of these things have a short squeeze. So why do you think these are special? Like, there's no reason these would ever be legit. But then Dogecoin was the one that was like, this is the most obvious pump and dump scam I've ever seen. The people on Reddit advocating for this are absolutely like some of them will make money for sure. Oh, yeah. But it's like there's nothing here. This is a complete lie. I mean, now, if you have some, make some money and sell it. But I'm, I'm not I'm not buying this fucking scam. I was always I was hoping that the Reddit people. So I have I bought not that many but like some Groupon stock a long time ago because a friend told me to and it's lost almost all of it like I've lost almost that entire. It's good for your taxes though. Yeah, good for my taxes. So I was hoping that like someone would ref that or, uh, on the, <laughs> that Reddit thing. So like 
that would go up and then I could sell it and be done with that it. That secretly but. does feel like what most of this is. It's, it's like uh, people saw the GameStop stuff and they're like, oh, uh, I think the next you know we should do Nokia and BlackBerry, right? These shitty yeah. phone stocks I bought 20 years ago and have gone down in value. We should all I want And I've just held on to them because like I lost so much money. <laughs> By the way, this is this is that top traded Ken Griffey. Oh my God, he's a now. How old is he there? I mean, I know That's he's not as old as Don Mattingly, but the idea that those people are even in like the same class of young yeah. baseball players is preposterous. Don Mattingly looks like he's yeah. Ken Griffey Jr.'s manager there. Have you seen the side by side of the picture of? Tom Brady at 43 and the pair of George Blando when he was playing it was 43. If not, that sounds great. If you haven't, if you haven't, look it up. George Blanda is an old 43 in that. Like, <laughs> he looks 60. I mean, Tom Brady looks 28. And George, like, look after this, look at the side by It's startling. Well, that's going to be my plug. And it's a plug for me as well as everyone else. Let's all go look at these pictures of George Blanda and Tom Brady. Uh, I can. I bet it's going to be really good. Paul Whitehair, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me, John. I really enjoyed it. I had a very good time. Best wishes in the intervening.